I tell you, worship is always the way to just rev our engines, get us ready for tomorrow. Do you know what you're expecting tomorrow? I don't. I know what my schedule is, but I don't know all the little curves that are going to happen, the, the curveballs, the hooks, the lefts, the right. But I did look ahead in my little calendar and saw I don't have a lot of meetings tomorrow. Thank God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's some days I look on my calendar and I see this meeting and then that one and then this one, and I think, when do I get to have lunch? <laughs> and then my wife says, hey, if they want to pay you to go talk at meetings... Just have fun. I said, all right, I'll do that. (laughs) But praise God. I'm feeling a little bit chubby today, and I'll tell you why. We went to Catherine's Steakhouse last night and had a blast. Filet mignon, baked potatoes, salads, bread, butter. Oh, it was a blast. What a place. I have to tell you, we had a good old time and uh, laid out at the pool at Casablanca and had a great time, get, uh, get away, get a nice little weekend away. It's always good to be able to relax, amen, and be able to de-stress, hallelujah. And sometimes that means getting away or doing something a little bit different. This morning I wanted to mention as we talk about getting away, the Jews knew what it was like to get away because they were stuck in Egypt for a long time and there was one point where the Lord finally told them, you're going to get away. <laughs> but it wasn't quite the experience they were expecting. Uh, once again, lots of curveballs and everything. But we're going to look this morning at Exodus 14. Exodus chapter 14. I just started uh, in my uh, Bible... I have the Bible on CD on my car, and I just restarted uh, beginning in Genesis and uh, going back to the, uh, the Old Testament. And I'll tell you, the Old Testament is powerful, amen? amen? You have to get in and get really in. Get into Genesis and start over and, and really uh, see what the Lord has done. Because I'll tell you one thing that I want to share with you this morning. The Lord... Our God is trustworthy. The Lord our God is trustworthy. Hallelujah. You know, He comes through. The Lord comes through. You might not always see it. You might not always feel it. You might not always get that vibe that it's true. But I'll tell you one thing. The Lord is trustworthy. He comes through for His people. And we belong to Him. Amen? We belong to Him, so He's heavily invested in our lives. And if you ever forget that, remember it today. He cares so much about you. He is invested in you, and He will never let you see failure in Him. Hallelujah. Because there is no failure in Him. Praise God. Trustworthy. I titled the sermon, Finding Trust in the Desert. Because there are many reasons why we're, why we're sitting here today. My son decided, uh, when we talk about college, he sa- I said, are you going to stay around in Vegas? No, Dad. I'm going someplace with trees and clouds and rain, green, mountains maybe. He doesn't want to hang in the desert. But very often when you think about it, what brought us to the desert? What are we doing here? What are you doing here? How did I get here? A lot of different roads lead to where we are today. Isn't that right? My grandmother, when uh, I was living in California, when I was a teenager, and uh, I told her, I said, you know, I'm looking at two spots for college, San Francisco and Vegas. 
And you know what she said? I don't know which is the greater of the two evils. (laughs) She's so sweet. But I'll tell you one thing. The Lord led me to the desert of Vegas, and I'll tell you, I will never look back and wish I was somewhere else. My greatest development, my greatest maturity, my greatest growth in God has been in the desert. Hallelujah. And the Israelites had to learn a hard lesson when they were called into the desert. So let's read this this morning because as you recall in the book of Exodus, Moses gets the Israelites out of the clutches of slavery with Pharaoh. And then he starts to lead them out of Egypt. But what happens in Scripture when you look back in Exodus is Pharaoh has a wake-up moment and says, what did I just do? Did I really just let all my slaves go? And you know what he decided to do? Go after them. And in this case, he starts to chase the Israelites from behind as they're facing the sea in front of them. And it says here in Scripture, let's go ahead and look at it this morning, Exodus 14, 10-31. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, And there were the Egyptians. The Israelites looked up, and there they were. The Egyptians were coming, marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better off for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. That's not very cool to say to Moses after he just won your freedom. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, praise God. And you only need to be still. What a good word. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army. Through the chariots and his horsemen, The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's armies, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel, throughout the night the cloud brought darkness on one side and light on the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and he turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire 
and cloud at the Egyptian army, and he threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of the chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. Ooh, that's a cool thing to happen. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on the left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against Egypt's, Egypt, the people feared the Lord and they put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. This is an important sentence in that passage of Scripture. Lord, as we are here this day, may we always place our trust first and foremost in You. Hallelujah. Lord, there's so many things we can put our trust in, but may it never be anything but You. Hallelujah. And if we put anything in front of You or above You, forgive us, Lord God. May we find our trust in the desert solely in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. What a powerful passage of Scripture. And you know what it goes to show me? The Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that He is faithful? What are we doing here? Would you be somewhere else if you could be? Think about that for a moment. I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? I'm glad to be exactly where I am, where the Lord has me at this point in my life. Praise God. Why am I here in this desert? This is what Moses probably asked himself as he led the Israelites out into the desert. Don't you think that question came across them? They told Moses, why did you bring us here? Were there no graves in Egypt next to the Nile, the pretty Nile for us to die next to? You brought us out here. Do you like Charles Stanley? You ever read any of his books? Charles, he begins his book called The Gift of Forgiveness with an interesting note. There was a time in their church, the opening chapter unfolds this terrible story that happened in their church. And sometimes tough things happen in church, amen? Sometimes tough things happen. In fact, Pastor David used to tell me years ago, he said, one day you'll be tested in God's own family and in God's own church, and your reaction will be everything. <laughs> well, in the life of Pastor Charles Stanley, their senior pastor stepped down from his, uh, from his position, and the church began to search for a new pastor. Have you ever read this book? It's called The Gift of Forgiveness. So in this book, the church is looking for a pastor, and there's this group in the church that began to support Pastor Charles and support his wife and say, you, we believe that you will be our next senior pastor. But then immediately there was another group within the church that began to rally against Charles Stanley and his wife and say, absolutely not. 
But I would say that even trials, just like with the Israelites, trials, desert seasons, these moments of toughness in our life that find us, even as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, even in the house of God, you know, it's these moments that it can devastate. It can devastate us. I don't think the Israelites thought that they would go through such a hard time. And people, with Charles Stanley, people that he loved and people that he knew began to turn against him. Those that he thought should embrace him and really, uh, you know, hold him up at this moment, they begin to shun him, grumble against him. The atmosphere soured and it caused a large division and a split at this time in that church. But I tell you, no matter what we go through as God's people, and we are God's people, amen, what we go through, no matter what, I still believe the Lord is saying, trust in me. Hallelujah. Trust in me. But let me ask you this. Does trust come easy? This is an interesting question, isn't it? Sometimes trusting is one of the hardest things that we can do. (laughs) And we used to say, I don't know if you remember that old saying, uh, trust isn't something you, what is it? Isn't something you gain, but something you earn, or it's not given freely, but it's something earned. I've heard that before. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I'm so glad, though, that even though we're not always ready to trust right away, God is so faithful to stay with us no matter what through all of these moments, even disbelief, even moments. I mean, he still, he still brought the Israelites even after they're saying, why don't we just go back to Egypt? Forget this being free thing. We could go back to Egypt. I wrote this down this morning because I thought it really came to my mind. Better to serve Egypt than die in the desert. Wrong. <laughs> These are the same Israelites that were living in that terrible oppression, and they have the nerve to say that. These are the same Israelites that earlier in the chapter, oh my, in the, earlier in the book, let's see, what did they see? Moses speaking to a burning bush. Not only that, Aaron's staff laid on the ground and turned into a snake. Not only that, they saw when the Lord was trying to wedge them out of Pharaoh's hands, the the river, the Nile, turned to blood. Not only that, the plague of frogs upon the Egyptians, the plague of gnats, the plague of flies, the plague on the livestock, the plague of boils on the skin for the Egyptians. The Lord really wanted them free. Not only that, the plague of hail, the plague of locusts. I mean, you could go on and on. A plague of darkness. There was no light in Egypt. Guess who got the light at that time? The Israelites. What a distinction to be made. And they still said, better to serve in Egypt than die out here in the desert. And then the worst plague, the plague of the firstborn. That death going through all of Egypt, killing the firstborn male, not only in the Egyptian humans, but the animals. What a distinction to be made. The Passover And they have the nerve to say, we'd rather die in Egypt than trust in God to be delivered at this time. Oh, humans. Isn't that something? Absolutely something. Moses, though, can identify with Charles Stanley. People turning against him. And ultimately, the one they were turning against was the Lord. When you think about it. Ultimately, that's who they were turning against. But both Charles and Moses faced that desert season, and they did one major thing. They turned to the Lord. Amen. There are times that Moses wasn't even that impressive. He's just like us. He said, Lord, I don't want to do it. I don't want to speak it. I don't want to give that speech. I don't want to go before Pharaoh. 
But in this case, he obeyed the Lord. Hallelujah. They faced and they obeyed the Lord. Let's consider this day the Lord's strength and faithfulness in the desert seasons. Very often in life, these challenging times will come against us. But our first uh, point this morning that I wanted to mention is this. Do not let today's trial overshadow God's proven glory in your life. Don't let the trial overshadow God's proven glory. There is only one God, amen, and there is no shadow that can overtake Him. Hallelujah. There is nothing tougher than what He cannot handle. He can handle it all, amen. Praise God. One of the worst shadows that came over my family when I was a kid were my mother and father deciding to divorce. I'll never forget. The table was there. We were called to the table there in the kitchen. Mom and dad sat down with us and said, children, we're deciding to separate and divorce. And then all of a sudden, my family just went into this moment of disassembling. Mother moved away to San Jose. I was hanging out with my dad down south. I was kind of stuck in between. Who do I go with? Did you ever see that movie? Uh, What is that one, honey, with... um, when he has to choose between the father and the son. Catch me if you can. What's his name? Leonardo. Leonardo DiCaprio. Did you ever see that movie? In Leonardo DiCaprio, when Christopher Walken and the wife decide to divorce, there's an officer or someone from the court or someone sent to the house, and he says, make a decision, kid. Who are you going to go with, your mom or your dad? And the little boy can't, you know, it's tough for him to decide. Make a decision. I just need to just say a name. Just say a name. Mom and dad are both looking at the kid, and they're like, just say a name, just say a name. You know what he does in the movie? He runs. (laughs) The next scene, you just see him taken off. That's what I did. I got in my little Honda CRX, 1986, sports injected, sunroof, fit everything in my little hatchback, even an ironing board that my grandma gave me. Everything I owned in that little CRX, and I bolted to the desert. Had a family member in Vegas, come, stay with us. I cried probably about three quarters of the way, you know, there, just thinking about my new life and everything. And I remember when I got over that hill and looked at Vegas and I saw, wow, it's dry. It's one valley. These folks just live their whole life in this little bowl. It's hot. It was like May, June-ish. I just graduated in California. I went from like, let's say like upper 80s to all of a sudden 110 degrees. And I remember thinking, this is terrible. (laughs) But you know what? God's glory can be found in the best places and most surprising places ever. Amen? I went on my own and I'd have to say I ended up studying God's scriptures, getting a ministry degree, finding an awesome Christian wife, raising uh, Christian children that are baptized into God's family, seeing God's proven glory. Hallelujah! And I have to say, what is your shadow? Those moments in life that really significantly wanted to take you out, right? Block that God light from you, just like he did from the Egyptians. What are those shadow moments that want to overshadow God's proven glory in your life? Because it's time to look past it, amen? When the Israelites were hemmed in, when you think about that, they're chasing in behind, the Red Sea's in the front, but I'll tell you today, our God is bigger than any trial, any shadow, any dark cloud that could ever come against you. He is bigger. He's bigger and he's big enough, amen? 
He's big enough to take that cloud and go, gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just like Jesus controlled the wind and the seas that day on the boat, the Lord can make it all Calm, hallelujah. He has the, all the power that you will need, praise the Lord. He's proven himself over and over again. And in the book of Jude, do you know that Jude is only one chapter long? What's up with that? Is this guy just like not into writing or something? So the weird thing about Jude is in chapter 1, verse 25, it's how he ends his letter. That's right. I just said he ends his letter in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 25, he ends his letter this way, but he does it in such a powerful way. He does it in a powerful way. He says, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, be majesty, be power, be authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And I wanted to remind you today, how often do we forget that we serve the most powerful king of the universe. Glory, majesty, power, authority, a savior. Whose savior? Our savior. A God. Whose God? Our God. What a king we serve. Hallelujah. Jude knew about trials. If you look in the scripture, he faced churches that were falling to apostasy, turning their backs on the Lord's false teachers. And notice where he went with these trials. Where did he go? Look in verse Uh, 25 he went straight to the lord he didn't run to the elders he didn't run to family members he didn't run to the disciples that hung around or his buddies in his uh, atmosphere no he first turns his words to the only god the only savior who has what all glory majesty power and authority that is a spot for us to remember this day When you think about King David, when he asked, when he faced Goliath that day, who's this disgrace that he should defy the armies of the living God? Aren't you glad you serve a God who is alive? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why our last week's sermon was, why look for the living among the dead? Our God is alive. Praise the Lord. In our story, the Israelites thought that they were dead. They thought that they were earmarked for either being drowned in front of them or slaughtered by the Egyptians behind. The Egyptian armies swept in for the kill and the sea in front of them and then the Egyptians behind them totally closed in. And have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that no matter which way you go, you feel like every spot is a tougher decision to make? Like, I just need the Lord to show up. Guess who shows up? Because he never left, amen? He never left, hallelujah. Stuck in trials, nowhere to turn. And just like the Israelites, you might want to stop and ask yourself, where is my trust? Is it in my strength, my mind, my wit, my own power? No, it's not. You will see that God will use the trials in your life to give you bigger muscles, amen? Hallelujah. Bigger muscles through trials. The Lord has proven His faithfulness, so you trust in Him alone. Because we are the ones that are made more than conquerors, according to the book of Romans. We don't have to face trials with fear, grumbling, but we tell our trial, get out of my way. Blow away, hallelujah. Jesus has won the victory. God takes the possible and He makes it He makes the impossible possible. Hallelujah. Just like he drove back the sea for the Israelites, you too can walk straight through your tough moment. Amen? 
You can do it. You too can walk right through the impossible with the protection of God's mighty hand because that's what He does. He takes care of us. Notice that God didn't just let them get on a luxury yacht and go over the Red Sea. He didn't provide some fancy Newport Beach a multi-level yacht to go through the Red Sea. He made them go through that tough time, but He provided a way. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that provides a way? He's big enough. And may we never grumble like the Israelites, hallelujah, but trust in Him solely. Our next point is this. Keep your trust in the Lord alone. Keep your trust in God alone and live victoriously. Hallelujah. I want to make sure that we are the victors of Christ Jesus that we're called to be. Amen? We need to be the victors that we're called to be. The opposite of keeping our trust in God and living victoriously is losing our trust in God and living in defeat. Does that sound nice? I don't like that. I do not like that. The Israelites would learn defeat very well. And mostly, they saw, the God, they saw the God of Israel come through again and again and again. But what defeated them was their own mindset. May that never be us. Their own bad attitude. Their own negativity. Do you ever have a chance? You don't have to raise your hand if you want to. But do you ever have a moment where you think, gosh, I can be pretty negative. That's me. If I'm not careful, my mind can go down negative avenue. And I have to stop myself and say, Lord, forgive me. I have to remember that my own attitude must reflect and resemble your son Jesus. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Not, oh, this is terrible. I can't believe this. Again and again, the Israelites would wish they were back in Egypt, putting their trust in the comforts of Pharaoh. You've got to be kidding me. No, it's the truth. Putting their comfort as being a slave? You've got to be kidding me. No, it's true. You have to be joking. No, it's true. They'd rather be comfortable as slaves living among the Nile rather than learning to trust God. Wow. Help us, Lord. Freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen? My friends, I'll tell you this morning, Christianity is not a religion for slaves. It's a relationship for the victorious. We are not called to be slaves. We're called to be free. So do not sell your trust to the comforts of anything that you have in your life. A nice job, a cozy house, a cool car, awesome investments, whatever it might be. Don't trade that for anything. Do not sell your trust to those comforts. Place your trust in the living God alone. Place it there. And thank Him for all those other things that He's blessed you with. Amen? In fact, now that I think about it, I feel a little condemned. I feel a little uh, guilty. We didn't pray over that lovely dinner we had last night at Catherine's, that beautiful 12-ounce filet. Thank you, Lord. After the fact, my apologies for forgetting. We had such a good time. I'm looking at it and just being, I was trading in my comforts for the beauty of looking at that gorgeous filet and her baked potato. It was one of the largest potatoes I've ever seen. (laughs) That was amazing. But there's victory, though, to be found in the desert. Amen? You might sometimes wonder, what am I doing here in Moapa Valley? There's victory to be found. Amen? 
There was victory to be, for me to be found in Las Vegas. Oh, mijo, Grandma says. I don't know which is the greater of the two evils. There was victory there. Grandma did. Grandma probably knew. But at the time, she had her response, which is classic. Learn to praise God in the desert trial, the desert season that you might be in, because He's also the God of the oasis. Amen? Praise the Lord. He's the God of the mountaintops and the valley lows. We wish that life was always like that mountaintop experience, don't we? We wish it was always a burning bush and the Lord coming through in miraculous ways and on and on. But I tell you, there are always moments where trials will come against us. Tough times will come against us. And David knew something about faithfulness, God's faithfulness. And he knew something about victory, God's victory. And that's why he could boast in the Psalms, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are with me. That means we have the victory. Hallelujah. And since he said, I walk through the valley, is God walking in our life? Do we have God walking in our life, in our hearts and our minds in the right way? Amen. Is he truly leading the kind of people we're called to be? Hallelujah. Do we need to give him more of our mouth, our speech, watching what we say, our thoughts, our negativity, everything? Do we need to give more to him? Is the Lord walking through the garden of our lives? Hallelujah. Our last point this morning is this. When the armies of trials chase you, stand firm and you witness God's deliverance. Witness God's deliverance. Years ago, my friend Blanca, she shared something with me. She had a, a couple abortions when she was uh, younger. And then she finally met the man of her dreams. They got married. And now she wanted to have a child. And guess what? Mm-mm. Already had two opportunities previous, but ended them. And then she wanted to finally get married, settle down, met this nice guy, Jean, from Brazil. They wanted to have a child and wouldn't happen. She thought like, wow, God's really teaching me a lesson and making me pay the price for what I did. And I said, Blanca, the Lord's a loving God, a forgiving God, a God of infinite chances when you come to Him and say, Lord, I want to be with you and I ask for your forgiveness. And we prayed and I began to pray with her and also pray and say, Lord, for me, as a sign of love to even your daughter Blanca, for me, Lord God, would you prove your faithfulness again and again and again and give her a child and show her what it's like to be loved Show her what it's like to be forgiven. Show her what it's like to have a God who's heavily invested in blessing even sinners like me and Blanca. Would you believe she has a beautiful daughter? You remember her name? She has a gorgeous daughter today, she and John. And I look back on that moment and I say, Thank you, Lord for just considering a request from a sinner like me to bless my friend Blanca, to show her just how much you truly love her and you want her to be blessed. And I got to tell you, you have to sometimes just stand firm 
and witness God's deliverance in life. Amen. I love the words of Moses. When all seemed lost, he boldly states, Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. God's people, I'll tell you this morning, do not be afraid. And he also says, Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you, and you only need to be still. Now, if you were standing firm, what does standing firm look like? Would it be kind of like, all right, I'm standing firm? Or would it be like, all right, I'm ready, I'm standing firm? I started thinking about it. If I was standing firm, I would probably be like this, really ready for anything to come against me. Come on, bring it on. This is my standing firm. Bring it on. You saw that guy mess with Michael, Mike Tyson on the airplane the other day? Ooh, there's no standing firm when you get hit with a right hook like that. But I'll tell you one thing. If something was coming against me, I would really dig my feet and go, come on, what do you have for me next, devil? What do you have for me next, life? What do you have for me next, shadow moment, trial, desert season? I'm here to stand firm because the Lord says, I will fight for you. You only need to be still. My grandma had that little thing on her wall at the house be still and know that I am God (laughs) I can still picture it with my mind sitting right there in the little tv room John records in Revelation 710 a great multitude that proclaims in song salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the lamb salvation belongs to who God and who sits on the throne who did he just say what a mighty God we serve amen Moses kept his attitude positive in this case (laughs) he knew God would rescue them in a wonderful way with no time to waste in being uh, overcome with despair so Moses called out to the Lord and the and the, the call came back stand firm And that's how it would look, standing firm. Go ahead. My God's got me on this one. Praise the Lord. My God's going to see me through. And I'll tell you one thing. We have to remember to direct our prayers to the Lord every day because He is in the uh, deliverance business. Amen? He's in the business of deliverance. Salvation belongs to Him. Pray for the ones that you love who do not profess Jesus as Lord and Savior because He's even in the business of delivering them, amen? From disbelief. So stand firm. If I were going to build my house, it wouldn't be on Huntington Beach sand. It would be back further on the bedrock, amen? And that's the way we should look at it. I just wanted to mention as we close this morning, A story from when I went to, since we were talking about camp, Christian camp, there was one time I went to camp and we were just worshiping God and having a great time as young teenagers and one young guy that was there, he had one leg that was about, I would say four inches different from the other one. So one of his feet had this big monster sole underneath and he came up and said, you know, I really would like prayer to be healed. And I've been, he told us, this young guy, he said, I would, uh, I would almost assume that, uh, you know, I, I should know that God can heal me, but I've been so hesitant to even think that he would heal me. See, there's time that even in our own disbelief, we hinder ourselves. 
and this shadow moment, and he thought, I would love to have a normal shoe like everybody else. Well, let me tell you something. By the end of that camp, they had to go down the hill in San Bernardino and go buy that kid new shoes because the Lord healed him. They put that young guy in a chair, and they had him take his shoes off, otherwise it looks like they're even. And once he had his shoes off, you could see a massive difference of where the feet and the toes lined up. One was definitely very much behind the other. And there was this guy, and I can't remember who he was, but I sort of remember his name, but I kind of forgot it. But this guy began to pray for this young man, and he would say things so powerful, all things you are capable of, Lord God. By the power and the strength and the name of Christ Jesus, we seek healing for this young man. We command this leg to straighten. We command these legs to be exactly even with one another. Then the freakiest thing happened. (laughs) Have you ever seen The Matrix? Where these wild, impossible things happen? All of a sudden, this gentleman says, Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. And we're, we're looking, thinking, what? I don't think any of us expected to see what we saw. But right before our very eyes, with this kid's knees completely flattened down, that leg went, And you know what we did? We ran. Some kids screamed and ran for the door. Others of us stepped back. This is the fear and the awe of God. We were thankful, we were grateful, but to see the power of God in action is a very awe-inspiring thing. And we took a step back. Wow, what a mighty God we serve. We did eventually get to praising and started up song again. That kid went up there and he wanted to sing his own song. (laughs) But I'll tell you, the Lord is faithful. He's a God of deliverance. He's a God of miracles. What did our scripture say again? I just want to mention it one more time. He's a God of glory, a God of majesty, a God of power, a God of authority, a God of salvation, a God who sits on the throne for who He is. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Lord, we thank You so much. We thank You, Father God, that we can find trust in the desert, Lord, no matter what that desert may be, that time in our life. Father, we vow today not to let any trial, today's trial, overshadow Your proven glory in our lives, Father, the lives that You've given us. Not only that, Father, but we also commit our trust to You. We commit our trust to You to live in the victory that You've given us at the cross of Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, when we've fallen short. And Lord, not only that, but we also, Father, remember this day that when the armies of trial chase us, we are to stand firm and simply witness the deliverance that You have for us. Take away our disbelief, Lord. Take away our own incorrect and negative attitudes, Lord, very often in life. And place, Lord God, our trust in you to stand firm and witness your deliverance. Lord, bless everyone in this church today as we 
fellowship with one another. And let us look back on this scripture in Exodus and remember all that you've done. The story of the Israelites is the story of our own very lives, Lord. All that you've done for us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's be people that are grateful and thankful this day. Hallelujah.